Hey everyone, welcome to episode 175 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castor-Apple, with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Chris. Hey Lee. And joining us as well is Zach Allen. Zach, how's it going? Good guys, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think this is what, this is only your second appearance on, I mean, we don't have a ton of guests, so, so even coming back for a second time puts you in like the top couple percentile of repeat guests. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, I do believe it was my second appearance. I think I was on like right at the beginning of January, maybe. So maybe like begin the year, end the year, year. I don't know. That was like two years ago. That doesn't even count. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. So back like in the pre-COVID ages. Yeah. Right. It it was right after the Invitational, if I recall, because we wanted to, to talk about the different teams preps. And that is, yeah, centuries ago at this point. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. It's crazy. <laughs> so how you been? What have you been up to? Ah, you know, um, just playing playing online. I mean, stuck in quarantine just like everybody else. So playing Magic where you can. It's it's tough, man. When you don't have paper and you don't get to see your friends all the time, it's just, you know, it's less enjoyable. But been jamming a lot of Mana Traders online, playing whatever event I can get into. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you queued this uh well you told me that you queued for this one with some uh crab control in modern we'll talk about that during the during the modern section but... I, I actually saw that that close he played with because uh, you know i follow zach on twitter <laughs> what i follow zach on twitter <laughs> not closely enough apparently I, I was actually appalled at that close so i didn't bring it up but we'll, we'll talk about it later really okay no i'm interested well, more appalled that this is the state we can be in modern not that's, necessarily that you played it you know that's fair that is fair i mean yeah modern is just in a wild place now no mox opal and no faithless looting like all the rules just we have our own are, rules there now. are no rules Oh, there's a there's lot of an rules. R and a U in Uro. Yeah, that is true. So, so we have a lot of rules. They're mostly just blue and green in the format because that's kind of all that's going on. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Although we got some kind of wild decks doing well in some of the challenges this weekend. So, so we will definitely talk about that when we get to modern. But first, Zach, I wanted to talk to you about... I, I, I saw some announcements of the this sort of head-to-head charity fundraising cube challenge some some big names in there and perhaps the biggest of all zach allen so we definitely wanted to get you on to talk about what's going on with this thing yeah i don't know about the biggest but uh yeah i want to say like in about april early april or something there was uh a vintage cube on magic online that watsy put out mostly because like people had just started quarantining and they were like stuck at home and wanted something to do um, there wasn't really any holiday stuff happening then, but they put it out. And at that time, uh, you know, working my job was really slow because of just all the stuff happening. And I was working from home, so I was just like stuck at home all day. I had to be logged on, but I didn't have anything to do. So I was just vintage cubing and like doing this race, this trophy mm-hmm. race. So it was just like a for fun thing. Uh, but I ended up like leading it most of the way and then losing on like the very last day to Jonathan Brostoff, who's like a pretty avid cuber. He just loves racing trophies in the vintage cube. And then fast forward a couple months from there to where we are now, and him and Jim Davis uh, put together a charity cube event. So uh, they asked me to join. I was like, sure. And then, you know, half hour later, I find out LSV, Caleb Durward, New Met the Nummy, Emma Handy, Game to Seif, like everyone else is joining. It's just this crazy, 
crazy big event now, I guess. So uh, we're going to be spending two straight days, basically. You're allowed to stream for 48 hours and not stream for any of that time. But you basically get 48 hours to get as many trophies as you can. Uh, in the Vintage Cube, you have to do all of them on stream. So, like, people have to see all your trophies, essentially. Okay. But, you know, the winner wins, I guess, and the losing team in this 4v4 uh, battle has to donate money to charity and then there'll be opportunities for everyone to donate you know viewers to donate whenever they want but the idea is to raise money for charity and it's gonna be a lot of fun and we're gonna celebrate the vintage cube because vintage cube is sweet do you get like 48 hours of stream time or do you have two days in which you can stream no it's just two days like you're just okay you like you get these two days and you have to stream for as much of it as you can i don't know like how people are gonna do it. I imagine if at any point in that weekend you're awake and want to watch it, you'll be able to find somebody playing. But I heard Caleb talking about maybe doing a 24-hour stream for part of it. I I don't know that I can do 24 hours. I was thinking maybe I try for like two 18ers and then sleep all day Monday or something. I don't know. But we'll yeah, see. you've got a you've got a job too, so you have a little bit more of a restriction than some of these other people. It is true, but you know, I could take a vacation day on Monday and just sleep if I needed to. So, so what so what weekend is that? What dates? December twenty sixth and twenty seventh. It's the day after Christmas, essentially. Perfect. Yeah. Good. So well, I, I'll just be sitting at home, like eating chocolate and leftovers, anyways. So this is this should be perfect entertainment for that. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. So we'll see what happens and. You mentioned it a second ago, though, you talk about the Players' Championship. It's weird to me that, like, I was supposed to be playing in the Players' Championship this year, like, a week ago. It got canceled. I was all sad. And then they invited me to this, like, two days after that. And honestly, like, I'm more excited for this. This sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I mean, No, this this sounds really, really cool. What what charity are you fundraising for? Uh, we are doing it for the Bail Project. Um, if you okay. go to Tiltify, you can see all the, the details about our charity. And I believe... Uh, Jonathan's team, which is LSV, Durward, and Gabe Nassif, they picked uh, Medics Without Borders, I believe. Cool. So Awesome. You know, if you find either cause worthy, you are welcome to donate to either team. Uh, my team specifically is going to be doing some giveaways. Um, I can't speak for their team. I'm sure they'll be doing stuff too, but uh, we've got some cards. We have some cards donated by uh, the store I play for, R.A.W., for the uh, for donators to our cause, which is gonna be really sweet. It's like a foil full art force of will from Double Masters and Mana Crypts and stuff. It's gonna be awesome. Sick. That's really really cool. So let's talk a little bit a little bit of strategy for a minute here. Okay. So what is your? I mean, how how many trophies do you think you can get in forty eight hours? Like, what's Oof. what's kind of the the goal here? What's the baseline? Okay. So I let me establish the rules so that you can get an understanding of the estimate. Once you complete a draft, you have to play your leagues. I can't, like, draft, say my deck stinks, drop, and immediately redraft. That's not an option. But every draft is, every single league is single elimination. So as soon as you're done, you are supposed to drop and redraft. Or I guess you could finish it if you wanted to, but you are allowed to drop and redraft once you've lost one match. I Great. don't think we specified what queues we're in. I don't think it really matters. I don't think that's super important. The idea is just keep playing as much as possible. Um, sure. I'm going to shoot for 20 trophies. I think that's maybe a little ambitious. I know you can do... 10 trophies a day. I mean, that's kind of the goal, but I'm going to be putting in 12 plus hours. I know that for sure. Okay. And you can do a draft... If you're fast, if you draft like an aggro deck, you can do a draft like hour and an hour and a half. 
some of the slower decks can be like two, two and a half. Um, Twenty is definitely uh, that's a good estimate. That's that's pretty high, but uh, it's something to shoot for. That's what I'm. I don't know. I don't know if I'll get there. It might be a little ambitious, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Are Are you gonna lean at all towards certain archetypes? Like, would you would you prefer to be in aggro decks as much as possible, or? You know, I, I haven't really thought about these things because this has never been like a way that I've approached success in magic. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because it forces you to think about magic in a different way than you really ever do in any other event. But for me, the thing that matters is the trophy, right? Because like a league is going to cost you minimum of an hour, pretty much. Like when you after you factor in the draft, uh, factor in, you know, the gameplay, sideboard, just all of it. It's going to take you about an hour at least so the real important thing is to not waste drafts because they're all just kind of sunk time. Like they're going to take you half an hour almost no matter what. And if you waste a draft, then you have to go back and redo it to get another trophy. So like, I, I think at the end of the day, the best thing to do is just draft the best deck you can get, like the open deck. And right. so... Because there's the baseline cost of the time spent drafting, deck building, yep. and then the first, you know, the however, whatever the minimum time for a first match is. So that since that's always going to be invested... Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, like, if, you know, if, like, if I'm choosing between, like, blue-white control and mono-red, and they're both, like, wide open, like, I'd probably bias towards mono-red, but I don't know, it just comes down to what you see and what's open, because, I don't know, vintage vintage cube is hard. You have to, like, really know how to utilize your busted cards, and it's going to come down to that more often, I think. Um, yeah. Just so people know, we are tracking, we're going to track, like, what teams open... Uh, more power. We want to see that. See if LSV actually doesn't open power. <laughs> you can forever, forever see the, the answer to that question. And um, we're talking about maybe getting a draft on Sunday night where all eight of us are in the same pod. So we'll see how that goes. But that'd be really cool too. I would be really excited to do like a team draft style vintage cube thing. Like a finisher. Yeah. That'd yeah. be cool. Especially if you guys are tied for trophies at that point. That would be. Yeah, you know. or, or just we were talking about like the winner getting like four trophies or something of that the eight person pod. Ooh, would you play amongst yourselves like in the in the pod? Yep, that, yeah. I mean that that's what we were saying. I don't know, it might change. It's up in the air. We don't even know if we're gonna be able to pull that off. So we'll see. But that's what we're trying to do, and it would be cool too to be at like the end because if they, if it is a big swing, you know, close race, like either way could decide the whole weekend. So sure, we'll see. Yeah, I I agree with your approach of just like playing whatever the best is because. This is something that's like a speaks to me from like a when people talk about like climbing ladder and stuff, you gotta play fast decks so you can play more games faster. Mm -hmm. But if you're just trying to hit a, a win rate, like playing a slow deck versus a fast deck is gonna cost you like five minutes a game. But if your your win percentage exceeds that, you'll be fine with a time limit. So you just might, might as well just play the best deck. Yeah, I mean you're totally right. Like if I if I'm gonna get a trophy that's gonna cost me two hours versus I'm going to 2-1 with a red deck, but it's only going to take me an hour 15. Like, it's still way quicker to do the two-hour draft. Do you... What What do you like drafting in Vintage Cube? I have to ask before we, like, move on. Because I, I know you love upheaval. I do love but... an upheaval. I I love an upheaval. When I was... Uh, when, I, the, when I was doing the last trophy race, uh, word on the street is I lost because I forced Storm for four days consecutively right at the end, which uh, may or may not have been the right decision. But I forced a lot of Storm, and I got really really into trying to kill people with Thousand Year Storm plus Ancestral Recall. 
I pulled I off like, that. <laughs> like four times. Yeah, it was it wasn't good. I'm probably not going to do that in this event. But every single time I got those together, it was just fun. So I, I don't know. I I actually think Storm is really good too. There's kind of this like, uh, I don't know, not meme, but like just established idea that Storm is like a trap deck, but. It's been getting some upgrades the last couple years, and I think it's like just one of the best archetypes in the this cube iteration. So yeah, I I think there's a lot more individual cards that like kind of make you the storm deck. Like Thousand Year Storm is an incredible, incredibly strong card that just didn't exist like four years ago when people said storm was a trap. And, and it also like a lot of it is from the you know if you have two people drafting storm and they share any similar axes. Like, one person can be on, like, pure high tide Storm, and another person can be on a more Wheel of fortune Ritual Storm or something like that, uh, and maybe you can support two. But if you have any overlap between two Storm players at a table, like, they're going to snipe each other out of the game, and that that's kind of, like, the main problem. But, you know, if it's open, it's good. Yeah, no, I, I and I totally agree with you, Chris. And that, that's, that's actually just the biggest thing for this competition is to find the open archetype. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm going to be trying to do, because... Storm can be really good, as good as it is, if you're splitting the cards with somebody, like, you get a 50% deck. And it's the same for Mono White or Mono Green or Mono Red or Reanimator. Like, you don't want to be splitting Reanimator, because if your Reanimator deck doesn't have both Grizzlebrand and somebody to Reanimate or whatever, like, it just doesn't work. And, you know, if you're fighting over cards, you're not going to have a good deck. So, I mean, most of trophying is just getting into an open archetype and getting fed, like, every card you need for the archetype, in my opinion. Yeah. That's that's why I think one of the like perennially underrated methods for approaching Vintage Cube is just like a solid mid-rangey disruptive deck that has like some good generic interaction, basically like counterspells and duresses. Mm-hmm. And like that archetype is very powerful and doesn't need specific combinations of things to to be good. Like that may be more of a I'm getting a lot of two ones archetypes, so that might not be the ideal approach for the like trophy or bust strategy you know that those being the goals but as far as win percentage generally but you're like leaking right so you get a bunch of skill edge because you're not playing against the other people in the challenge all the time right true and those yeah yeah you're not necessarily playing against them although i have to imagine with like how limited our time span is i mean there'll be a lot of people playing but i wouldn't be shocked if like people in the event get paired against each other a bunch because we're all going to be playing at the same time trying to get trophies I don't know. I don't know how big the player pool is going to be that day, but I wouldn't be shocked to see a bunch of matchups just based on we'll all be kind of playing for a 48-hour span as much as we possibly can. So, Ooh, What happens if you get paired against one of your teammates? Because the like EV play is to quickly figure out who has the better deck and then the person with the worst deck concedes, but that's like pretty lame in this... Because this is not a... like four millions of dollars type of thing and people just want to watch you guys play magic yeah i mean at the end of the day like it's you know we're gonna try to win we're gonna try our best but like the idea is it's for charity like the winning team doesn't get anything it's just the losing team is donating so it's just like you know if i get paired against my teammate we're gonna battle and whoever has the better deck hopefully wins and then that person you know has a chance to trophy but the other person will go redraft i guess i don't know (laughs) yeah cool I, i think that is probably the right way to do it so, I mean, like, this cube is pretty much the same as last time we had Vintage Cube around. I assume you can mostly use the stuff that you learned from the last time in, in playing this cube. Uh, any any final thoughts on, like, you know, just drafting this particular cube in general? What, what people should be doing? What they should be, like, looking out for when they're watching people's streams? 
Sure. Well, I will say one thing that's going on in in my mind, at least, is there are, like, at least when I'm drafting, I know a lot of people like that draft really well tend to draft this way, is where you'll try to draft two-card combos because it's easy to put a, a two-card combo into some deck and that combo, depending, like, almost regardless of whatever else is happening in your deck can win the game and then you can kind of get other stuff going, but this little package of two cards is good enough to win. And there's a lot of those in Vintage Cube. You can kind of find them all over the place, but you know, winning decks generally have things like those. And interestingly enough, in this iteration, they've added a few Commander Legends cards, which kind of complete those things. Like Hole Breacher plus Time Spiral or Hole Breacher plus Wheel of Fortune is really dumb. It just wins you the game on the spot. You just play this thing, then cast your Time Spiral. Your opponent has no cards in hand. You have seven, and it gives you seven mana. And like in Time Spiral's case, like the Hole Breacher and a Time Spiral is just not... It's going to be dumb. You're like, your opponent, you get to untap with seven cards and 13 mana. It's going to be... I expect you probably that, got it from there. Yeah, I expect that card to be all over the place. And one other thing is, I actually think black has generally been pretty bad in cube. Like, black and red, unless they have, like, a busted reanimator archetype, have generally just been awful, in my opinion. And Opposition Agent is the type of card that can win games by itself. So I want to see what that one can do. I'm excited to see how powerful that is. I was just kind of thinking about it, and it's like, that might be might be in, like, the range of cards I would first pick that you, like, wouldn't think of, but, like, you know, Fractured Identity was kind of in that place, like, two years ago where, you know, people didn't know how good it was. They played with it a little bit. Turns out this card is insanely broken. You need to first pick it when you see it. And I wouldn't be shocked if Opposition Agent turns out to be close to that, although it does have a lot lower floor, so maybe it's not as good, but, you know, I definitely want to see where that one shakes out. And that one for those of you who have not, you know, been keeping up with the Commander Legends potentially playable prints, that's the two and a black three two flash that steals their tutor effects. When you're you control your opponents while they're searching their libraries. When an opponent is searching their library, they exile the card they find, and then you can cast that card. So it's you can it's play it. So it actually helps with specialness too. You get that. oh right. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, so... Well, and then it just so happens that in this cube, too, there's a lot of cards that are high picks, or there are a lot of cards that, like, like Sol Ring, for example, is a card that's probably the best card in the cube, you high pick it. But once you pick a Sol Ring, you're also more likely to take cards like Trinket Mage that help you find the Sol Ring. And if you have ways to find the Sol Ring, then that means my opposition agent is good at finding your Sol Ring, which is amazing, right? Yeah, and I mean, if you get anything with the opposition agent... Like you're kind of like on top of the world, sure. no matter what. That's fair. like, but but like the better those effects are in the format, then the better opposition agent is because the more they will see play. So sure. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what I got for it. I'm excited. I I cannot wait to battle. I'm. I know I'm really excited for the Saturday. I think that Sunday we'll be really tired. It's gonna be a grind, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will definitely be tuning in. We'll we'll give you an opportunity to like plug stuff at the end, but since we are talking about this, what is your uh, Twitch link so people can head straight there on uh, the day after Christmas? Sure, yeah. You're going to be able to find it on twitch.tv slash A22ENMTG, and it'll also be posted uh, on my YouTube after the fact if you want to catch the reruns. It's going to be called uh, R.I.W. Makes Magic there, so you'll be able to find both of them there. Awesome. Cool. Well, so... We have talked about a lot of standard and historic over the past couple of episodes, so I don't really want to talk about those anymore. We are just kicking off the Mana Traders modern season. I mean, I guess we kicked it off a couple of days ago, but you have already qualified, so I feel like you are uh, 
also qualified to give us some insights <laughs> into the format. So you want to talk about some modern with us? Dude, I am into it. I took a little break from Magic. I was kind of getting worn out with Standard, and it was just kind of the You know, Zendikar's been out for a while. It was kind of getting boring. So I hopped into modern, and even though we're starting to, I guess, coalesce to like a a smaller metagame is really, really interesting to figure out like the ripples from the top tier decks um, and how they've been since Zendikar and like what's affecting the format. I, I've really enjoyed the format right now. Yeah. You want to give us sort of that rundown? What did you find? What, whether it's like pillars or if you want to talk about the defining cards or, or, or however you're sort of like viewing the format overall. Okay. Well, there's one defining archetype that is just <laughs> mythical rares printed in 2019 or 2020. It's just four colors and it's all of these things. And like, if you go look around at all the ways people build this deck, there's like 20 different ways to build it. And the core tenant is you play busted mythic rares. You play Uro and Omnath and Renin Six and usually Feel of the Dead. Yeah, Feel of the Dead, which is kind of like an honorable mythic rare. Teferi. Three mana one, five mana one, two, if you want another mythic. I don't know. Jace the Mind Sculptor. Um, just all these cards, and they just have so many tools right now. And this one might be kind of a played out story, but yeah, Mystic Sanctuary and Cryptic Command, still good. Been good since Oko uh, and Urza, and since Mystic Sanctuary was printed, and that has not changed, as it turns out. Yeah, so what is your preferred like version of the Uro Omnath decks? Like, what, what do you think is the kind of best way to construct around that core? I, I've seen a lot of ways to do this. People are playing it with Primeval Titan. They're actually playing closer to Amulet Titan builds, but still like controlling without like I'm just like two color blue green. Um, we're seeing like the four color ones that have different payoffs, whether it be uh, Hour of Promise or like Time Walks. And I've even seen Soltai. I've seen just straight Teamer. Um, there's a lot of ways to go. My personal favorite was the Time Walk one. I'm partial because I kind of helped design it like with Harlan, but uh, it's also just the funnest one to play. It turns out one Time Warp plus Renin 6 and any fetch land in your graveyard was like you taking the next eight turns or whatever. So uh, that deck was really cool. I think the one that's been the most successful, though, pretty uh, unanimously is the Hour of Promise one. Seems like the one that's getting the most play. I will say half of the format is playing Boil right now, though, and all of these decks tend to play a lot of Islands. So uh, that... That seems to be the thing holding it back. This deck is getting destroyed by the multitude of boils in the format. Yeah, do you think there's any legs to playing a like non-Mystic Sanctuary version? It's just specifically so you don't have to play so many islands and then you just boil isn't really a weapon against you? Do you think that's possible? I think it's possible. It's always tough for me because it's like, well, there's a reason this deck is dominating and Mystic Sanctuary is one of them because it is mm -hmm. really stupid uh, you know, to be able to like tutor your graveyard with every fetch land so that you can guarantee your next draw step is exactly the spell you want it to be. I mean, when you're not paying for that effect, it's really strong. Mystic Sanctuary, you know, does have cost, but it's generally pretty low. Um, but I will say there are starting to be like blue X decks that are playing zero islands in them just so they can play Boil. Like there's a blue-red control deck that has no islands in it and is just like every blue-red dual land that isn't a basic land type ever printed. I know that Caleb was playing Storm with boils in the sideboard yeah. and, and no islands in the deck. You get like a really yeah. wide pathway and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, Wolf Canal. Um, I don't know. Shivan Reef. There's a ton more. But yeah, yeah, and he's right to do it because it's just a realistic strategy. The, the thing with these Mythic Rare decks is like, 
if you're playing fair with them, you're not going to beat them because the Mythic Rares are just better than everything. Like, they might have gone a little too far on a few of them, and there's not, outside of just, like, one-sided Armageddon U, there's not, like, real hate <laughs> cards you can play for this deck. It's not like it gets hosed by Leyline of the Void or it gets hosed by, you know, whatever other card. It, it gets hosed by Boil, and that's really it. I, I guess Choke to some extent, but that one's kind of weak. We've also seen some otherwise, like, medium-powered decks be pretty successful because they're running a bunch of main deck Blood Moons, too. Sure. So I think that that is a strat as well. Yeah, and Blood Moon does work, too. I, I would not argue that one. I do think it's better than Choke, because when you're playing four colors and you don't have Astralite, Blood Moon Blood Moon's tough. And I know that there's a lot more emphasis on, like, killing people and getting dead. I've seen the, the Heliod Company deck come out way more than I expected to in the last like couple weeks. Just trying Especially to assemble. given that the only way to play Modern is on Magic Online. Ugh. Yeah, I, I played one league with that thing, and I was like, all right, I, I think this deck is really good. If it was a paper tournament, I might play it, but not, no, not on this server here, not this way. Yeah, because you can just assemble enough. I mean, if you're you know dedicated enough, invested to the time to do it, you can mm -hmm. just like assemble enough life to just beat them straight up. Yeah, and I mean, in paper, obviously, it's way easier to shortcut, but... I don't know, that, that deck to me falls in the category of decks trying not to play fair to specifically beat this Uro Omnath deck, because, like, just go look at everything else that's winning. It's all get you dead before turn three, or assemble X infinite combo, or whatever. And that's basically the only thing that isn't Uro Omnath at this point in Modern. I guess that's not fair, there are Primeval Titan decks, and they aren't, like, getting you dead by turn three, but, I don't know, for all intents and purposes, you're kind of dead by turn three against those decks. Yeah, yeah, well, I think I think there are a reasonable number of decks that are grindy, but grindy in specific ways where they are able to, like, kind of go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the power level of the Omnath Uro decks. Like, I'm thinking particularly of, like, the Reclaimer decks where you're both doing field stuff ultimately, and this deck just does field as quickly and as consistently as it possibly can. Now, Cryptic Command, obviously, is the card that, like, throws a wrench into the idea that like i can out zombie you but you know this deck has tools there as well yeah and i will say too you know underrated aspect of that deck is just how good skyclave apparition is because that card doesn't look like the type of card you'd want in a primeval titan deck but specifically against the, the cards that are broken uro omnath jace the mind sculptor to some extent maybe teferi these cards it's just the best one of answer there's no better answer in the format to these things because it just cleanly deals with uro it cleanly deals with jace it cleanly deals with whatever other permanent that they're playing and all the broken cards basically cost four or less so it kind of hits everything and feel the dead decks do not care about you getting some token like it doesn't even matter at all like it's not right it might as well just not have that effect it just doesn't matter at all yeah and it also the the additional benefit is that it's also the best uh, like disenchant effect, mm -hmm. like disenchant creature possible. It's the best way to get a, get rid of a blood moon sure. that, that deck could ever ask for. Well, and also you can tutor for it in that deck, which was never the case with Titan decks before, but this one's playing Eldam Recall. So the fact that, you know, you have split card, exact removal spell I need for this situation at all points, slash Primeval Titan, slash Ramp Guy or whatever is just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you were able to do like, you know, Night of Autumn or whatever before, but this is just a way, way better version of that effect. Yep. Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. To me, Modern is basically like two different categories of decks right now. 
it's just like the fair slash grindy decks that top off it like on that stuff and that's where perennial titan decks fall too just like decks that are trying to like play a relatively normal game well and... i i would say for those like that category you can just call them feel of the dead decks because at yeah, the end of the, the day decks. they're all feel of the dead decks every fair yeah. deck in this format is a feel of the dead deck and if you're playing a deck that plays fair that isn't doesn't have feel of the deck like i know people still play john like that's not acceptable for this format yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's true, and I still see it on Goldfish. So, and, and the other category is decks is just the uh, I'm trying to get you dead, and that's like from Prowess all the way up to like combo decks like Ad Nauseam or even like the new Hammer Time decks that are going around. Sure, and there's actually a lot of combo decks going around right now, and that's where the most interesting thing in this format is to me at the moment because they're all over the place, and you would think people would pretty easily settle on like, hey, this one's the best one, but. They're kind of all finding a niche and kind of all seeing success, so I think it's actually kind of really cool. Yeah, basically it's just asking you to be able to beat Field of the Dead mm -hmm. and somewhat be able to play around Counter Magic. Like, that's really all the combo decks are asking for. And that's not that hard of a niche to be in, in this format. No, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, playing around Counter Magic is basically asking you to play creatures in this format, because... Uh, you know, we talk about Cryptic Command, but the best counterspell by far in this format is Force Negation, and it really is kind of like the test of what can your unfair decks do. Like, your unfair decks need to be able to be Force Negation, or you just shouldn't even bring them to the table at the moment. Yeah, and that's why, like, that's what makes Oops All Spells, like, a potentially exciting choice if you are trying to combo, because it's a p pretty pure combo deck that doesn't get beat by Force of Negation. It does get beat by many other things but but that one specific tool that's floating around is is borderline useless against you i mean you're right on force negation that deck is degenerate though i will say i have had some really obscene losses to it where i was just like <laughs> I, like i can't imagine this deck or this hand losing and then i just still lose so that one is that one's scary that one might be uh headed for bannings possibly or rule changes i don't know i love to see it kind of only exists because of some weird rules things but some of the draws with that deck are just super just completely unreal i mean i've seen turn two kills with packed negation backup it's just like what is this deck doing yeah right. I, I think modern is kind of in the spot pioneer was in like a few months ago where people are playing the format but not really it doesn't really have any big events or anything so people aren't talking about it at all mm -hmm. so even though i think modern could use several changes to it to like more healthy format it's just not getting that so we're just going to see a bunch of these things that make the format what it is right now just keep being perpetuated until there's more attention on the format sure and i do think at some point something's going to be need to need to be done with feel of the dead specifically because that one oh, just yeah, I, I agree by itself like there's even tools to deal with it but it's like i don't know if you want feel of the dead in this format you kind of also need to have wasteland honestly which is crazy but it's like feel the dead is that good it just invalidates anything fair that isn't playing it in my opinion personally i don't like mystic sanctuary either that's like, I fair think it's just it's far too powerful it makes games too uh formulaic i think i mean that's also fair we could just uh put wasteland in the format and hose both those lands that'd be fine I don't know if I'm willing to go for Wasteland, but, you know, I'm try I'm willing to try it, I guess, if they want to. They, they probably shouldn't put Wasteland in, but it is interesting that it would hose both those cards, right? Because the fact that, like, the hate is Field of Ruin, it doesn't really stop either of them. Because, like, if you feel... I, 
Field of Ruin kind of works against Mystic Sanctuary if you time it perfect, but um, it doesn't, like, stop them from using it. And the thing with Mystic Sanctuary is, like, you need three islands in play, and a lot of decks will be, like, tapped island that is non-basic, then, you know, some other non-basic island, then an island, then get their Mystic Sanctuary. It's like, well, if you just wasteland one of their other lands response, they're down a land, and they fetch the tap land, and, like, you know, all these bad things happen, they probably just don't even get the Mystic Sanctuary at that point, and then it's, like... Okay, I mean, it seems like a reasonable way to beat that, and obviously, like, you know, Wasteland against Field of the Dead is pretty good. There's a reason Field of the Dead's not the best card in Legacy at the moment. Yeah, we we can't have Wasteland in Modern, though. I don't I don't believe that's really in the conversation. <laughs> that's fair. I, I I did do, like, the two-second pauses, like, well, what if? I was like, no, Mono Red Prowess is already really good. That deck with Wasteland would be <laughs> not okay. Oh, God. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so that that is one of the, like, weirdly fair decks... And and fair, not just like, you know, I've got powerful spells like fair. Like this is just an aggro deck mm-hmm. and it's gotten a lot of popularity over the past, you know, maybe several weeks, maybe a month or so. Uh, and I think, you know, it's got some top eights here at, at fifth place in this Saturday or the Sunday challenge. Uh, Mono red aggro, Obosh, Bomat Courier getting some time to shine in the modern format. I mean, you're not wrong. Bomat Courier is an absurd card and... It's starting to see a resurgence now, but honestly, like, I would credit this back to Lotus Box. Like, I remember Lotus Box, when that card came out, was playing it in Modern already at that point in Burn decks. And it's just such a powerful tool for a red deck that's emptying its hand to just be able to turn, you know, a hasty one-drop into Ancestral Recall for one red mana is really absurd. Yeah, so for, for those that aren't familiar with this the, these lists right now, it is basically a bunch of one-mana burn spells... Light up the stages, 12 one-drops, Bonecrusher Giants, and Seasoned Pyromancers, uh, as well as main deck Blood Moons. And they're up to, I think, pretty consistently running four main deck Blood Moons in this deck. It's one of the reasons the deck is good, is that Blood Moon has huge applicability against like a, a, a gigantic percentage of the format. Yeah, it's like this deck is fast enough, good enough, it has good enough aggressive draws to compete like against the big... Uro decks, because Uro is a scary card, but if you can kill them before Uro actually enters the battlefield, you're you're good. And these decks can do that a good percentage of the time, but not always. And Blood Moon just like nails it. Nobody in this format that is playing Uro can cast it if there's a Blood Moon in play. It's impossible. Yeah. And Field of the Dead doesn't work either. And it's just it just yeah, it's the nail in the coffin. Yeah, and I mean the other thing too about it is they're game wanting it. And it's like they're even decks mm-hmm. where Blood Moon wouldn't be that good. Game one, sometimes you just get hosed by it. So um, I will say Blood Moon's a lot worse post board in Modern nowadays because I haven't seen a deck that isn't playing Aether Gust after board. Even like the Mono Red decks board into like some islands and Aether Gust at this point, basically. But um, <laughs> game one, it's really it's brutal. Like you, you lose to it with everything. You lose to it with Titan decks. You lose to it with Uro decks. You'll lose to it with like Ad Nauseam, where you just can't cast your Ad Nauseam now. Oops, all spells. Like if they have their artifact mana, they can do stuff. But if they don't, they're just cold to it too. And it's just like. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's a reason it's stuck around since Modern's creation in what 2010 or something. It's been a feature of the format the entire time, basically. It like goes through cycles whether or not like Blood Moon is playable at all. Something that people like complain about and kind of sucks that it's in the format, or if it's or, like uh, the third mode is like super necessary check on the things people are doing. And we're definitely in that, that third realm of blood moon playability right now is that it's, it's, it's doing a job. It's putting on a hard hat and going to work. 
Yeah, I remember the the pro tour where there was like a counter cat deck, which is just zoo with some counter spells, and that finals was just the Splinter Twin deck played Blood Boom twice, <laughs> three times or whatever. <laughs> That's all it was. Yep. Back when Wild Nakato was one of the best cards in. Oh, I got banned after that tournament. Don't worry, Chris. <laughs> oh my god. What I wouldn't give for Modern to be back to Wild McConnell's two good days. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that'd be a weird one to go back to, looking at how powerful the format is now. That's true. Yeah, come on. Our, our one-mana creatures are like 7-7s seven now, so... Yeah, no, that's actually just true. That's what like Blowmaker didn't even exist alongside Wild McConnell. Like, imagine telling someone there was a one-drop that could just draw five cards right <laughs> so let's see i mean we've talked about a bunch of the major archetypes uh Ur- Abnath, obviously mono red heliad decks the reclaimer decks uh rakdos shadow i just alluded to with the one mana seven sevens that deck is you know continues to be very playable you got a second death shadow and then you can sort of fill out your threat suite with however you you think is appropriate these are usually luris decks still they're kind of the successors to the black red prowess sort of thing from before and yeah they haven't changed too much they've adapted to the format some by mostly sideboarding blood moons is kind of the biggest change that i've seen in these lists but it's kind of the stuff you'd expect oh there's knight's whisper in some of the lists now that's i guess that's the big thing i i don't get that i understand that you're trying to be like this split like i can be very aggressive against field of the dead decks or grindy against non field of the dead decks and the deck does an okay job of that but in my mind they should just go more towards being the swift spear prowess deck at all times i think that's just better and if you want to add death shadow to it i think that's fine but like i don't think you need to add the grindy elements in my opinion like if you're gonna play knight's whisper to get card advantage just play bowmat courier it's much better this list has both which is troubling oh, really? to me. Wow. Because I I would hate having a Knight's Whisper in my hand as I'm casting a Bomat Cur- a Bomat Courier on turn one. That sounds atrocious to me. That doesn't sound good. It is kind of sweet with Death Shadow, I guess. Like it's plus two plus two and draw two cards, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, but this is not like the Grixis Death Shadow where you're like really trying to grind from like a couple years ago. No. You're you're really trying to kill him. No, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think what this strikes me as is it looks like the list where someone's like about to admit that they should be playing the Uro Omnath deck, but they're like a step away and they're like, oh, I can't pull the trigger yet. Let's put some draw twos in the deck, see if that fixes it. <laughs> yeah, Let's I see wonder if I can how much of the it Uro. is a pure desire for a draw two and how much of it is an acknowledgement of like, geez, it is hard to pay enough life when you don't have street rates in your deck. Just like that, those free minus two life you don't have and you got to find some way to fix it you can only run so many dismembers and and just thought seizes and fetches might not really be enough when you have eight death shadows in your deck i, I mean there's certainly something to it chris i i don't disagree with you i think you know the the hating on it is partially tongue-in-cheek because it's been seeing success it's not like there's no pedigree mm-hmm. to this but it it just feels to me like it's just like, if this is where you're going, like, should we even still be here type situation? It's a placeholder card. Like, yeah. you, you can't find a card that makes your deck noticeably better. So you go to, like, an option that does the thing you want, but not... It, it doesn't not, do it not in well. any good rate. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I was going to say, this is the deck that, like, more than anything ever wants Gitaxi and Probe back. It wants it so bad. And that deck would be so scary with Probe <laughs> yeah. in it. I think it'd probably be, like, the best deck in Modern, which Gitaxi and Probe. Easily, easily. But maybe Infect 2, if you can build your deck to beat Lightning, or uh, Lava Spike, Lava Dart, excuse me. Yeah. I mean, Swift Spear Soul Scrimmage would be terrifying if that card was legal. I'm actually very happy it's banned. Yeah, there would be several decks lifted from various tiers to S like there would be decks lifted from like borderline unplayable to like A or S tier in modern if you could put Gitaxi and Probe right in them. Stormwing Entity would be that would be a nice one. That's true too. Yeah, that is very fair. I do you know, we we sang the praises of Bomat Courier already, but the fact that like it's in several of these Death Shadow builds now is a clear indication to me, you know, multiple different decks adopting that card you, generally you're just not expecting blockers in the first several turns in this format if if you're playing a an aggro mirror then yeah sure that's going to happen if if you're in the bomat courier v bomat courier matchup but against like the uro omnath decks against the combo e decks in the format against uh you know I, I guess uh, Elvish Reclaimer is a big thing that can throw a wrench into the plan, but generally, like, this card becomes really good when it's likely to get a couple free swings in turns one, two, and three. And and so that is a statement that, like, that's what's going on in this format right now. Yeah, I totally agree. And sometimes you can just keep attacking into their O2s and O3s and put as many cards under it as you want. Which, uh... Which O2s and O3s are you talking about, Zach? Talking about eight crabs, my friend. There are eight <laughs> of them. That's a lot of crabs. There's a lot of crabs. There are eight of them, and they are all over modern right now. Right, are they t- all over modern, about- or are they all over uh, all over your modern games? Well, all right, they're mostly just mine. But in fairness, they've actually been seeing success. We've seen uh, they like top four to multiple PTQs or Magic Online events. I'll just say that because I don't know what they all are, but. <laughs> it, it was starting to put up some success uh, recently, this, this Mill deck, and it's weird because you wouldn't think Mill in an Uro format is going to be very good, right? But it, it turns out that, uh, you know, burn decks against the card Omnath specifically, they sometimes get there and then sometimes they get laughed out of the room by Omnath because that card just gains, like, actual 20 to 100 life in some situations. It does some really absurd things. And... Uh, you can't gain life to get back mill, and in fact, a lot of these decks are doing the every single card I play draws a card thing, and those tend to be a little worse against mill, so uh, there's actually something going on there. The real secret is, like, the cards that are good in Modern are just so good that at, like, this point, the entire decks are based around them, to the point where Surgical Extraction's, like, a real card. Like, you wouldn't think that it generally is, like, a main deckable card in the format. I mean, there were times where Dredge was, like, dominant, where people were trying it, but it's not like... You wouldn't play it in standard. It's not, like, a fair card like that, but, like, if you're playing a mill strategy and you can choose, like, if you can just look at what your opponent's playing and say, you can't have this card, it turns out a lot of the decks don't beat that very well. So, I decided to try it out, and lo and behold, I think that was a big reason for the deck's success, because... I mean, we just talked about it. There's all these Primeval Titan decks. Okay, I search Will Extraction your Primeval Titans. And then there's these Uro decks. Okay, I search Will Extraction your Uros. Or Ad Nauseam. I take your Ad Nauseam. Or, I don't think you mentioned it, but, like, Colossus Hammer. Like, you take their Colossus Hammer. Like, there's just <laughs> all these random decks that, if you Surgical the thing, you just win on the spot. 
And even like oops. Yeah, the card the card that they're named after. Yep. Yeah, that's usually a good one to get. Well, even like oops all spells, if you use surgical the narcomebas or the Sword of the Meeks, hitting either of those stops their combo from happening, and then they're just stuck with like your their opponent at like seven to eight life with like one card in their deck, which is Nexus of Fate, that they're going to draw and not be able to do anything with, and then nothing else happening, and then they just lose. Yeah, they're just, like, not able to beat you game one, right? Like, that just kind of oh, can't no. happen if you have four surgicals in your deck. Well, okay, so you would think that uh, it turns they, out that... They can kill you fast if you don't have a surgical. Yeah, well, they. it turns out that they just always have to pack negation, so it doesn't really matter. They can get you still. But, okay, sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. If you surgical the right thing, their deck doesn't function at all, and they just lose to themselves. I noticed that you are playing Mesmeric Orbs, which I thought would be the thing that the... Crabs 5 through 8 would generally replace. So do you want to talk about that card still somehow being playable in this deck? Okay, so I will say that historically with Modern Burn, there's kind of this idea that, or not Modern Burn, Modern Mill, is that it is a burn <laughs> deck, right? Where it's like I have two mana, you mill 10, or you mill 8, or whatever, and that like would correspond to some amount of life, like 3 or 4 life. It's kind of like a Boros Charm, something like that, but... Mm -hmm. Honestly, those decks, like, you can win with them, but they're not great in Modern, and they can be countered pretty easily. If somebody wants to, they can put, like, an Ulamog or an Emrakul or something that has the shuffle your library into your graveyard, or the other way around, shuffle graveyard into your library, uh, text on it, and it generally will beat those decks. I mean, they have some game through them, but um, with the printing of this extra crab in Zeneca Rising, it's the Ruin Crab, you now have 12 on-the-board permanents that mill, and they repeatedly mill, which means that, like, it doesn't matter if your opponent has a mill thing. Like, if you're just repeatedly milling them every turn and then also controlling the game at the same time, it doesn't matter what they're doing because, like I said with the surgical, you take out their most important piece, and then they're kind of just floundering until at some point they lose, and they generally do because, I don't know, modern decks don't function without Uro, or they don't function without Field of the Dead, or they don't function without Primeval Titan for the most part. Yeah, and I, and you know, you're clearly willing to just keep going into as the game goes on. You're running four into the stories and, and two visions of beyond. Into the story is that good in this deck, huh? It is, and I will say too on the Mesmeric Orb thing, um, it's important that it's the only mill thing that hits yourself. Um, because this mm. is a Luris deck, and I don't know if people forgot, but there was a time where we were talking about Luris being literally the best card ever printed. Obviously, they've changed the rules since then, but it just goes to show the power of this card, and the fact that like Mesmeric Orb mills you to find more hits for the Luris that you're playing is really powerful. Sure. Um, and yeah, be, when you add Luris with Into the Story, the deck just never runs out of cards, and that's how it's able to beat uh, these decks where just one Surgical beats them, essentially. For what it's worth under the old companion wording or companion rule i do believe luris is like num in the top three best cards ever printed like pretty easily yeah i wouldn't really i mean there's some cards that i don't like contract from below is just i don't know i don't i don't even know if that one's a real card anymore but <laughs> I, I don't know if that counts or not but that that's true one mana draw seven is that's not bad I mean, you have yeah. to ante so many cards. You have to ante yeah. <laughs> Is it worth it after you've beaten the crap out of your opponent? For what it's worth, those are like the only two cards ever banned in Vintage, so take from that what you will. Well, showers. Well, sure. Well, all of the... <laughs> all of the uh, ante cards are banned in Vintage, so... 
It's just that none it's of them true. are quite as busted as Contract from Below. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. The, the only cards that are banned for Vintage that aren't, like, anti-cards or conspiracies or, like, Falling Star or whatever are yeah. Sharwazad and Luris. And Luris, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Luris, Luris could go back into Vintage now. Yeah, with the companion but, rule change, I think it would be fine. But it yeah. it was a really absurd card with, like, Black Lotus or LED or whatever. I mean, honestly, I'm still confused about Zerda being banned in Legacy, but I guess that's for another day. Sure, yeah, with the change. Although, I don't, maybe that one is still absurd just because of how good it would be with Grim Monolith, but whatever, it's fine. I mean, yeah, but it's still a combo deck that relies on non-creature spells in a format with a billion Force of Wills. I mean, that is true. Yeah, yeah. it's true. And, and you don't have a lot of room for juking around when your deck has to have all these Grim Monoliths and Basalt Monoliths and, like, Ancient Tombs and cast a, a one white slash red white slash red but you know like the deck is real awkward yeah i mean that's true i don't know it's just like if you could play like a splinter twin deck and start with splinter twin in your hand every game that's really absurd man right yeah there's just like no good reason to like there's no compelling argument for like yeah we should probably make sure that people are allowed to play this combo deck that starts with a combo piece always like, that's silly. Hey, Garuda's exist. still legal, Chris. Well, Jeez. I mean, like, if Garuda were banned right now because, like, it had gotten banned before the companion change, like, I would not be advocating for its unban because I don't <laughs> think there's, like, a good reason for it. It's either unplayable or, like, a bad part of the format, so. It is true. Some of these companions for eternal formats aren't really, especially Legacy, where it's, like, cards like LED exist. I, I, we really just don't need them that bad. They're fine. The format's yep. fine, I guess. Yep. I, I, I mean, whatever state the format is in, like, adding companions to it probably only makes it worse. You can't even LED out your Zerda anymore. Like, come on. Yeah, it's clearly fine. We're fine. It's fair. That is fair. Um, back to crab control, though. I will say, one of the big like reasons to play it one of the big things i've switched is we talked about it earlier but boil really is all over this format mm-hmm. in modern like you get boiled all over the place and crab control is like the only blue deck i've been able to find at all that is good against boil decks so take that for what you will but uh the fact that like it's dodging the hate cards people are playing for your style of deck at the moment is a very real reason to play it and it's kind of the like, you know, the Dredge Affinity setup where it's like they're playing Artifact Hate, I'm playing Dredge, they're playing Graveyard Hate, I'm playing Affinity. Position back from Old Modern. People trying to boil the mill deck, it just doesn't work. Like, the deck is all ones and two mana spells. If they boil you, maybe you can't cast one of the end of the stories, but you probably have a Swamp or a Dark Slick Shores and maybe a Fetch Land in your hand and you function totally fine off two mana. Then on top of that, getting to play four copies of Aethergust and four copies of Drown in the Lock in a deck where, like, Aethergust is already good. Let me point it out. That's, like, one of the better spells in Modern at the moment. But when you put it in a mill deck where it's literally just Counterspell, Doomblade, Split card at all times, the same with Drone in the Lock, it's really absurd what it feels like to play a deck that has eight of that card. It, it also doesn't hurt that, like, the decks playing Boil are almost always decks that are just trying to race you. It's true. And in scenarios where it's not really necessary, it helps them to actually Boil you. Yeah, I mean... it's not like you're playing the Omnath deck where you're just, like, gaining 20 life if you have islands in play. Yep. No, you're right, and, like, I've been in spots against Titan decks where it's, like, they boil me, and I'm just, like, 
Yeah, that's fine. I'll put these two islands in the graveyard, and I have a, I still have an Aether Gust I can cast next turn in my hand that I could have used on your boil, and I'm instead just going to use it on your Titan because you're not going to win this race. Yeah, and this is a deck that plays like, what, four Dark Shores or something like that? Uh, Yeah, about so three generally. Three, something like that. Three, three foot. Sure. I could see four. I mean, just make yourself more boil proof. It makes a ton of sense. It's not yeah, like you're crippled really ever that much by it. Yep. Yep. That all makes sense. I'd have to give this one a shot at some point. And if you like drawing cards, this is a sweet deck. You do draw a lot of cards. I And I respect the just like full commit into the playset of Into the Stories. Like, if you like drawing cards, but not the deck where every card draws a card. <laughs> well, no, you have to. Well, so I was saying that I was playing it in the, the qualifying rounds because I was mm -hmm. prepping for the Vintage Cube thing and I wanted to play the closest thing to Ancestral Recall in hopes that I would draw <laughs> Ancestral Recall a lot in the cube thing. So uh, I played the one that had the modern Ancestral Recall in it. It made sense. Yeah, Ancestral Visions, but which would actually be better in this deck if it could target your opponent. Uh, Visions of Beyond, but yes, I've had Visions that come Beyond. up yeah, yeah, where sorry. it's like they have a Nexus of Fate in their hand. Like, please target them, but it doesn't. It doesn't target. Yeah, them. I've played that card before. I've drawn three of it many times. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I I definitely have a newfound affection for Ruin Crab after playing a fair amount of Rogues over the past couple of days. I think almost every match that I've won with Rogues, or almost every game that I've won with Rogues, has been due to milling them out. People are just, like, not dying to damage for various reasons. So, like, the mill plan is super, super real. And I I wouldn't mind, you know, it makes me much more willing to take a similar strategy for a spin in other formats. Just a general crab into the story combo. Crab into the story drown in the lock is a, is a powerful set of cards. I mean, you're right. But, like, I, I will say, too, in this format... It's so, so likely that one person or that your opponent is going to put some spell in their graveyard. Like, I, mm -hmm. you don't see a modern deck that doesn't put anything in their graveyard. They're going to put one spell there. And the fact that Crab plus one Fetchland is six cards and you need seven for the end of the story and they're always going to put one there, especially if they kill yeah. the Crab, it it's just plays so seamlessly in this deck that, like, Crab plus Fetchland into the story is turned on. They have to kill the Crab because Crab is a surprisingly quick clock. Like, you mentioned it with Rogues. It's way quicker than you think, especially with fetch lands. It can kill people turn four, turn five, doing nothing else and blocking at the same time. And, you know, they kill it, then you get to draw four, and then it's set up to either draw more or get your Luris in your hand. And it just is this inevitability engine that other decks just don't really have in the format. Outside of exactly Field of the Dead, nothing has inevitability like that. Right. And Field of the Dead is a particularly ineffective inevitability engine against a deck like this. So that's, yep. that's a pretty nice spot to be in. It's true. It's kind of like the mill decks we saw at the very beginning of this Zendikar Rising format, where we thought mill would be like really good because people were going to have on their linear stuff. Mm -hmm. But then everyone just had like four Gaius Blessings in their sideboard. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but everyone just started playing a bunch of Gaius Blessings. Sure, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing more escape cards in Modern if this deck picks up, because escape cards are good against it. Um, we used to see a lot of cling to dust out of like red, black shadow prowess decks and I don't really see them anymore, but I mm -hmm. feel like they'd be pretty good still. So, um, you know, little, little adjustments like that can help you against mill. If you're the type of person that just wants to beat this deck cause you're tired of losing to the crabs, just doing crab things. But, uh, I'm trying to think of what escape cards actually do help you against mill other than cling to dust because most of them like glimpse of freedom and oxidoganos they draw cards which is not really what you're like 
game plan is against Mill a lot of the time. Uh, I found, well, in Modern, it's not an escape card, but uh, Seasoned Pyromancer can make two 2-2s, two so just having that in your deck is actually pretty good against Mill. Uh, Cruxa is the one, though. Cruxa's really annoying, too. That one, that one turns out is, like, different enough from Uro that it's amazing against Mill because you're not drawing cards with it. You're just getting them dead. Like, that's what it does is it you're kills killing. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly the way you want to attack Mill anyway, so... I don't know. I've, I've found Crux to be pretty terrifying. That makes a lot of sense. In my, like, rogues experience, just like... Wait, hold it, on. Time out. Yeah. I just realized you prefaced Crux with this isn't an escape card, but... No, I said Season Pyromancer wasn't an escape oh, card. Oh, Season Pyromancer. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It plays like one, though, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Um, in, in playing a bunch of rogues recently, like, one thing that I have found is that just having escape in the text box of cards in your deck like isn't effective to stop you like it depends on what version of rogues you're you're playing against if they're playing like super controlling or 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 super like tempo-y and all you're doing is you're like turning off their spells by casting an escape card and then their drowns and their end of the stories are bad and that's good enough then your escape cards are good enough but against like a deck that is configured post-board to keep milling you still and and just like keep going you know like i have been playing matchups where i just don't sideboard in my cling to dust even though i know that they have chain web arachnirs or oxavagonus because you just power through it and they you know like they'll cast an ox out of their graveyard but that just means they draw three cards you cast it into the story you kill their ox and then you just keep playing lands and milling them and like yeah, sure, they, like, go up cards on you, but then they die to getting milled out. Sure. So, it, both both in, in obviously, against this modern deck that is very capable of just milling them to death very quickly, but even in, in standard, like, just having escape on your cards isn't good enough to beat rogues that, that are milling pretty hard. You have to be doing something on purpose with your escape cards in order to actually be be leveraging them. So No, I agree. Um, I will also say in the Mana Traders qualification, my one loss in the like qualifying rounds was to Rogues in Modern. And I got destroyed <laughs> by Rogues. And it wasn't close. <laughs> and it was because they were doing the same thing my deck was doing. I, I, I feel strongly about this. The fact that they were doing the uh, small creatures pressure you among diff- like different axes. Like, my mill deck can't attack your life total. But this Rogue deck is worse at attacking your library, but still, like definitely still does. But it's mm-hmm. using Drown in the Lock, which just continues to just way overperform, and it's the type of deck that's also going to be able to beat all these Uro and Primeval Titan decks because it gets to play Aethergust, which is just this absurdly well-positioned card at the moment. So, you know, it's also playing into the story. I wouldn't be shocked if someone put some time into Rogues and Modern right now if that was one of the better decks in the format, honestly. Interesting. What... What are the pickups? I I I'd be really interested in like hearing what this deck can do. What what what's different in it from like the standard or historic versions of it? Obviously, you get Thoughtseize, but as far as I could tell, it was very similar to my mill deck. Like it was playing a lot of the same things, but instead of uh, Archive Trap and Mesmeric Orb, it was playing Soaring Thought Thief and Thieves Guild Enforcer. Okay, and I think so they had like... some other rogue that wasn't in standard. I forgot what it was. Yeah. But I remember. Is it like still an eight crab setup? I think they had, had like four crabs, maybe. I don't. I didn't see their exact list. They kind of destroyed me. 
Um, <laughs> but the, the point is, like, a fast milling deck that's playing into the story in Jarnalock is good, and it actually has some pedigree. Like, there were points in Modern's history, you know, in the last year-ish, where people were playing, like, Thought Scour Jarnalock into the story decks, and they were seeing some success, but I don't think they took it quite far enough. Like, Thought Scour is just, like, a touch not strong enough to turn those cards on. And I feel like the these other decks that are actually turning them on are going to see a pickup in Modern because I I think they're all just really good. Definitely not scrolling through a Scryfall search right now trying to determine what the like Modern Rogues. Well, I am, but I couldn't figure. I couldn't find one. I sorted it by like cost of card and money, <laughs> and the first page had nothing I would remotely consider for a Modern deck. That's fair. I mean, the video is posted on my on my uh, YouTube. You can go back and check it if you want to. All right, yeah, I'll scrub through that to find out what the playable role. I think they had yeah, an actual the ninja is. in the deck too, if I remember correctly. Maybe Ninja of the Deep Hours yeah. was in it. The Deep Hours is the only good ninja in modern, right? I don't know. I mean, maybe you could have a um, zombie cutthroat. I guess zombie. Ooh, that uh, sounds sweet. Zombie something or another. The one from Modern Horizons. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I know that the deck beat me really badly, and it seemed like it was doing powerful things. Neat. Well, yeah, maybe more crabs in our future in modern. We'll see. Dude, Until the guy's blessings start coming. I, I, I'm I, going to be honest. I can't stop playing with these these crabs. I just, like, we'll go. I'm like, all right, I'm going to test some mono ready today. I'm going to see how good it is. And then I'm just, like, loading a crab deck and playing a league with it. And now I'm playing <laughs> more crab. And I, I, I honestly have found I've, like, consistently beat the guy's blessings. I actually think it's uh, not a good sideboard card against you. Just because you have the surgicals to, like, make it not effective or yeah you just surgical them and because like you're more of like a resource aggregate mill it's like I, i've had it happen so many times where it's like all right there i'm he's eventually gonna mill my guy as blessing and then this is gonna happen but like what ends up happening is like i'm just focused on aggregating resources so it's like okay i finally milled their guy as blessing but i have two mesmeric orbs three crabs in play and the next land drop mm -hmm. i make is gonna mill them like 30 cards or something like I'll, i just surgical to extract the guy's blessing and the game ends two turns later or whatever right and that's because you have access to into the story i mean you... that's a big part of it yeah yeah um interesting yeah yeah i do remember like during the last modern mana traders because people were hyped about the eight crabs not hyped enough to like actually play mill but hyped enough to think that like other people would so we had like four or five people register mill in the tournament and every single deck list that we put up on screen just had a guy's blessing in the sideboard. Jeez, okay. Maybe maybe not playing that. Maybe we might have to find a new deck for the actual event. Well, I mean... I don't think it'll happen again. Rogues, which is kind of interesting because maybe if like attacking the, just the library isn't good enough anymore, but Rose is still basically good enough at that anyway, you could just replace some of the pure mill cards with like actual rogues and pressure stuff. Maybe that's like the answer to Gaia's blessing without hard committing to like just abandoning the deck, you know? I mean, you could totally be right. I will say, Sword and Thought Thief looked a lot better than I thought it would in Modern. It looks like a standard uncommon, but then you play against it and you're like, ah, this thing's pretty annoying. It's starting to do a lot of damage. All of a sudden, there's two of them. They're both three threes. They have flying. Like, I'm losing my library too. I'm going to need to do something, but then you like start trying to do stuff and all of your stuff gets countered and you're like, all right, I, I just lost this thought thief. It, it got me. And I mean, you're, you're running Luris anyways. So, you know, those, those cheap rogues go very well with Luris and eh, maybe you got a stew. Sure. Any other modern stuff you want to talk about before we transition over to talking about our 
very small handful of call time previews we've gotten so far? Nah, I just wanted to say I'm really excited for the uh, the Mana Traders event. Just very cool to get to play those. They are... Honestly, there's just not very many big events going on at the moment, so like getting to play one is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's we have a lot of fun covering them, and, and I, I just really enjoy doing it. So uh, for those of you who are not aware, so originally this one was scheduled for the same weekend as the Cube Challenge, but uh, cooler heads prevailed, and we determined that... Uh, the day after Christmas was not the best time to run a tournament and try to do coverage for a tournament. So the Mana Traders Modern, this coming event is going to be January 2nd and 3rd. And you can catch that on twitch.tv slash Mana Traders. And Lee will be on screen. I probably will not be on screen for this one. So I'm sorry for everyone who's terribly disappointed by that. But hopefully Zach will also be on screen, but just in, you know, faceless gameplay form. Yeah. <laughs> Hoping, hoping to bring some some crabs. Hope they haven't gotten fully hated out of the format by then. Dude, we'll, we have we'll to stop playing on. it so people are just like not aware of it. Maybe just spread a smear campaign. Crabs are bad now. Don't play them, please. Yeah, we'll we'll start over the podcast. We'll release a second episode <laughs> all matching the mill deck. Yeah, <laughs> just zero zero percents all across the board. Like man, mill just can't beat anything. Okay. Don't prepare for it. Literally, not a good matchup. <laughs> all right, so. Kaldheim previews, then, I suppose. Yeah, we have, like, what, three cards? Two cards? Two cards, I think. We, well, we got the we got the missing four lands from our land cycle, so I can finally stop, like, being a baby about having six of ten in standard and, and just be normal again. It is weird that they split up the pathways like that, but, um, I mean... I'll say, like, we know what to expect from them this time. Like, we've already been playing with Pathways, so they're not going to be different. It's just colors we lacked. But I've really enjoyed the Pathways. I think they're a really cool innovation on land. I think they provide good gameplay decisions and make you make decisions, and it really matters. But, you know, they're not too powerful. They're not too weak. I, I think they did a really good job on the Pathways. Yeah. Yeah, it's and my favorite land cycle since, like, the fast lands. Sure. And they provide the opportunity for some really cool-looking showcase cards. So it's fair too. Can't complain about that either. Like honestly, I will be a fan of any dual land that, like, even this is not like a, a true dual land. Anything that lets you play spells earlier in the game instead of just always having temples and stuff like that is so much better than not. Sure. I mean, I agree. Yep. Those generally are much better lands. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that lets me that encourages me to put one mana spells in my deck. I. I am a pretty big fan of. But to the onto the spells. So we have one that I've thought about a little bit. And then one that like has pretty much caught me totally off guard and I have no idea how to evaluate it. So first we've got Showdown of the Scalds. This is a saga, so good news. We've got sagas in Kaldheim. I deeply appreciate that. Uh this is a this is the first multicolored saga we've ever seen, I think. Two, a red and a white. Chapter one is exile the top four cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. And then chapters two and three are whenever you cast a spell this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. What do, what do we do with this Boros card drawing spell combo card? Can I, can I, well, I don't think it's a combo card necessarily, but can I tell you how I first read this card and I couldn't understand why it anyone was saying it was bad like I, I read the first chapter correctly 
But then I thought chapters two and three were just anthems instead of for one creature. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, how is anyone saying this card is bad? This is busted. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I I still think it's really good for what it's worth. I think people are kind of sleeping on how good this is. I think a lot of people look back and think of Omnath and Uro and these broken cards. And this card is not that, but uh, it's in a color combination that really wants to draw cards and really struggles to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome that they get card advantage in a way that is like good for their style of deck too, because the second and third chapters is you know actually very relevant when you're trying to beat down, but also trying to play through piles of removal with card draw that you know the controlling style decks are bringing to the table. And it's really nice for decks like that to have some counterplay to those style decks because generally they just don't. It's like I either kill you before you kill my massive guys or you kill my massive guys and I've lost. And those are just the only two ways those games play out. But it's cool that they can, you know, kind of come back. Like, oh, they had the first two Doom Blades, but then I played this and got to play something else and then got to put a, like make them bigger with counters and all of a sudden I ran away. Yeah, and I like that you can get pretty close to a whole card's worth of value out of the card itself. If you get a few plus one plus one counters out of it, then like you got a card worth out of the card, and then you get your four cards off the top of your library, whatever you're actually able to cast off of it. I like that it doesn't demand a lot of specifics from you. You know, it's not saying like you have to have creatures in play and then cast non-creature spells to get the plus one plus one counter. It triggers off of any spell. Your deck can just be full of cheap creatures and then all of the creatures you flip with this are going to put plus one plus one counters on your stuff. It is a little bit clunky. It is a four mana spell that doesn't affect the board at all the turn that you play it. Like there's definitely a limit to how many of these you can put in your deck, but I am seeing some upside here. And one interaction that is really goddamn sweet with it is with Runaway Steamkin. <laughs> okay. Because you get two counters for each oh. spell that you play. Okay. So, you know, if you say you flip a Runaway Steamkin with this, and then on your chapter turn two, on your chapter two, you like play Steamkin and then you start playing some, you know, Warlord's Furies and stuff, and you just, you're just going up mana at that point. It's, you know, Basically, like the 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 draws, the mono red draws that had like experimental frenzy and two steamkins in play just made it absurd. You you were not mana limited on those turns. This is your second steamkin, mm-hmm. and that's there's something to that. I think. I mean, we could I see a historic storm deck. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I personally like feel like everyone has overlooked that you can just like play Yorion with this card as well. Oh, damn. Yeah, you totally can. Yeah, I... Yeah, like, if you're just playing a Jeskai deck, this could be an enchantment in your deck. I was gonna say, that was my initial read on the card, was it was either, like, a sideboard card for Boros aggro decks against control, or its effect is powerful enough that Yorion decks just want to main deck it, and I don't think it's crazy that Yorion decks would. I think there's been merit to playing Jeskai Yorion decks in the past, but there just wasn't quite enough like, red enchantments to entice you into it. And the fact that you get, like, uh, what's the black enchantment that deals damage to you from Theros? Treacherous, treacherous Blessing. Yeah, the fact that you get a Treacherous Blessing-style card in Jeskai, it might even be better because it doesn't cost you a bunch of life. Um, it also pumps your tokens. Yeah, it could pump tokens, too. Sun. 
Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, it, like it's not useless on the second and third chapters. No, I mean, you're right. And it could go well in like a Luka deck even too, which is a style of deck that could exist again. I don't know. We'll have to see, but it is interesting. Yeah, this card is like weird enough and kind of broad enough in application that the most restrictive part about this card is that it is red and white. Like the things that are doing are powerful in like several different types of decks, I think. So that's that's an interesting spot for it to be in. Are you telling me the the worst part about this card is that it is not blue and green? <laughs> well, mostly that's white, honestly. Uh, that's like, fair. Does it this is one here? of the gold cards that I feel that they just threw the white symbol on there, even though it could be a mono red card. Sure. Just to like make it somewhat harder to play. I mean that that's fair. I will say it does play pretty well with Skyclave Apparition. Like white is starting to get there. Like Skyclave Apparition into this thing, into Elspeth Conqueror's death into cast the other spells like i don't know there, there might be something there yeah i think this card's excellent yeah i'm i'm and i think it's a really cool design that like makes you work your brain a little bit to figure out the best ways of using it i like this card mm-hmm. other one you know mostly just hurts my brain because it like asks you to think about things that you don't really think about together so this is can i read this card so i can can, read it for the first time yeah please do (laughs) okay so this is pyre of heroes it's a two mana artifact uh it's got two tap sack a creature search your library for a creature card that shares a creature type with the sacrificed creature and has converted mana cost equal to one plus that creature's converted mana cost put that card onto the battlefield then shuffle your library activates this only you could cast a sorcery. Okay, so it's a birthing pod that's tribal locked? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exactly that. Well, it also is missing Frexian mana, which was a key aspect of birthing pod. But but you get a mana discount to make up for that. It's two mana instead of three and a Frexian. Although it is two, you can't activate it for one mana. Yeah, I think the but, activation yeah. is a big deal. But, I mean, you're right. You do get the discount up front. Um, you're gonna... so, so the first turn it counts it costs the same total mm-hmm. to cast and activate as birthing pod did so yeah and it's nice that it's on four four it is four to play and activate which is where birthing pod was because there's a really big gap between three drops and four drops in standard card design mm-hmm. and go it like going you know some three drop on turn three into turn four birthing pod out like a busted four drop which is generally where the busted cards start nowadays there's been some exceptions but that's usually where like the engine cards are um it's pretty natural play pattern and it's can be very strong um, yeah the question is just like what's a tribe like how do we actually use what are the actual cards that work with this thing okay yeah what three drop beasts do we have that go into questing beast love struck? how do i how do i what what three drop pigs do i have so i can get a yasharn Ooh, yasharn sweet <laughs> I will say There's truffle snout, right? Wait, no, that's that's bad. You can't sacrifice creatures if you have a Yasharn in play. Yeah, don't, don't do, don't that, do that. Don't do that. That one doesn't work. Um, I will say I read this card and uh, before I played Mill in these Omnath decks, I was kind of like way too far into playing goblins in modern. I was all about them, playing goblins in like every event I could. And this deck or this card is really sick for goblins, especially like combo goblins that are trying to put, you know, Snoop plus uh, Bogart Harbinger plus like Sling Gang plus like Kiki like you're trying to put all these things together and you have a curve like that uh, that's really strong I will also say too that 
just putting it in historic makes some sense because you can sacrifice matrons to get ringleaders, which is value. And then if you put some five drop goblin in, you can tutor up Muxus next, which is really powerful and not able to be countered if you snuck this thing on in on turn two. So that's real. Um, there are elf decks that could play it, but I'm also interested in it in decks that can play Agadim's Awakening, which I think we'll maybe find something like that in standard, but that sounds really powerful to me. Is like a maybe like rogues in standard if there's more rogues printed that are good or zombies or something I, I don't really see an archetype in standard yet but we still have three more sets of the standard i wouldn't be shocked if this turned out to be pretty good i'm also thinking potentially like elementals in historic just you can get a lot of risen reefs out or something like that sure i mean that sounds really powerful to me it does make a lot of sense with Agadim's Awakening, though, right? Because, like, yeah, I you have to sacrifice up the curve with it. So, like, the Agadim's Awakening, you're going to get value at every spot of the curve, like the way the card's templated. Right, and Agadim's Awakening is just such a free thing to put in your deck mm -hmm. as long as you're already black. That, that, that definitely is appealing. But, yeah, I mean, this is just a game of, like, what tribe has, like, a solid chain and includes activated or includes decent enters the battlefield triggers that makes it worth doing this and i don't know you know i, I like the restriction here where you can't just play birthing pod style decks that are just like a pile of the best etb effects at each mana cost and your like cute little tutor package that solves all of your problems hopefully that creature type restriction walks the line there where it's enough of a restriction that the decks have you know certain weaknesses and certain holes in their package but also that there are a couple of different tribes that are worth giving this a shot with i'm gonna be a naysayer for mm -hmm. this card at least in standard because i literally played the standard format with birthing pod and it was hard to come up with it well, it, it was a deck. Like, it, people played it. It had good cards in it. Like, you had, like, Acidic Slime was one of the better ones. But, and you could get an Acidic Slime away to just get any Titan. That was the Titan format as well. The problem was that even with, like, standard Birthing Pod with no restrictions and such powerful creatures that it had back then, like the Titans, that deck was, like, a Tier 2 deck at best. Mm-hmm. And this card is so much more limiting with Birthing Pod. And the creature types are going to be all over the place because we're visiting like six planes a year now. <laughs> it's just hard for me to see where this card can be applicable in standard. I, I am with you. There's not very much tribal stuff happening right now. But I don't know. The last set did have the party thing going on, which encouraged you to play tribal stuff. And I wouldn't be shocked if... Like, to push the tribal stuff, maybe we saw, like, a changeling-esque mechanic in a future set. That that could do it with this, if we saw a changeling thing. Yeah, like, if there is a... If there's, like, a four-mana changeling with an enters-the-battlefield ability, that just unlocks this card completely, and you can do whatever the hell you want with it mm. at that point, pretty much. Yeah, but then you have to, like... You have to do more with this card than it be Mutoform. That's probably true, yeah. of yeah. course. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Changing's... and we, we definitely don't have Titans as a thing to cap our curve off with anymore. Our our big engine creatures are very different designs from that these days. No, I mean, you're right, but we, we do already see, like, Stormwork Pack Beast. That exists, and there's, like, a green one, I think, that you can play. 
it like works with this where it's like because it's you know it shares multiple types you can like pod one type into it and then pod it into another type like that is a mm-hmm. that is a real thing if you know the party mechanic gets pushed more maybe i don't know yeah it just really depends on what's in the next few sets right? it's true there's no way it's playable in standard in current standard but we'll have to see right right exactly but yeah i mean i i yeah, the fact that we are getting the D&D set that is going to be more party mechanics and it may be, I don't know, it's going to need some bridging stuff and more than that, it's going to need like reasons to have a birthing pod in your deck mm. and then it also needs to work based on these restrictions. But at least you don't have color restrictions. So that's that's kind of nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. wait for Embrit's Shield Breaker to rotate out as well. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> But sacrificing adventure creatures with it is nice, but they're like weird creature types that won't they're let like you get all anywhere with it. They're like and peasants and children and whatever. Ch- children is not a creature type. Sorry, witch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I think like historic is the place where I am most interested in doing stuff with this. But we'll see. Definitely. I don't know, has some potential in weird ways and forces you to think about cards differently, which I think is kind of cool. Birthing Pod was always a like really loved archetype. It was a little too strong, but people loved it. And I don't know, if you can bring any type of that gameplay back, I'm all for it. You can tell people love Birthing Pod anytime they see it in a pack of cube where it's just clearly not good. Yeah, you just can't. It's not <laughs> even playable, but they're like first picking it. Yeah, no, it's fair. <laughs> I actually, I ha- I have my own cube, like just, you know, not to brag, but I have my own cube and I try to invite people to play cube all the time. There's always somebody who drafts a birthing pod deck and then comes after and tells me it was terrible and they should have drafted it. It happens every time. Well, well, to brag, I also have a cube yeah. and I try my best not to put trick cards like birthing pod in it. That's fair. I maybe <laughs> should take it out, but I enjoy it too much. It's too funny to like look around when everybody drafted like, oh, he fell for it. He's playing the birthing pod. <laughs> <laughs> If Recurring Nightmare is good in your cube, then it's possible to play a Birthing Pod deck. But no, it's hard. No. <laughs> no. I don't agree with that statement at all. Recurring Nightmare can be completely broken. Birthing Pod's still not playable. It's just yeah. so hard to get the perfect chain. It's like impossible. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. And then if you if you draw your one good four or whatever, and then you have your Birthing Pod in hand, and it's just like, well, this is really awkward. I have to sequence this exactly the opposite of how i want to do it yeah it's really it's hard to make it work you have like one five drop and it's a hermit druid and you just draw it and you're like oh, dang i have two six drops that are busted but right. oh well yeah now i have to cast this hermit hey the echo <laughs> <laughs> yep 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 all right i don't think we have any new patreon questions because we asked for so many for last week so we know I don't believe we have any left over. We used them all up. No talking about mayonnaise or baseballs this time. No, we're not going to make Zach talk about any of those things. All right. (laughs) Either of you guys have anything else to add about anything we've talked about today or anything to bring up? Nah, just uh, wanted to thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for helping me plug this cube thing. Uh, You know, well, why don't you why don't you plug it again? Yeah, give us the full plug. Sure, happy to. Um, so you'll be able to find it on... I mean, if you just go on twitch.tv slash magic, you're going to see somebody streaming it. Probably LSV or Caleb. I imagine their thing or their streams are going to be gigantic. Um, but you can find me on twitch.tv slash A22ENMTG. 
And I'll be going, I'm shooting for 30 hours in a 48 hour span. We'll see if I can make it that far. I don't know. I'm going to try. That sounds really brutal, but we'll see if I can get there. And it's going to be drafting cube the whole time. So I just want to remind everybody, like, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of cubing. But at the end of the day, it is more for charities. And we are trying to raise money for causes that need money at the moment. Um, So if you, you know, can spare some time to come out and donate, we would really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I will. I will definitely be hanging out in your chat during that. I'm excited. Uh, this should be really, really fun. Awesome. Yeah, I'll swing by, watch you on your, you know, fifth consecutive draft of Forcing Storm. You know, I, I may have to set like a I can only force Storm every other draft rule or something. I've also gotten a promise that there will be someone tracking punts the whole weekend. I got one mod who said he would try to do like the whole thing with me. He's a big fan of starting the punt counter on my streams. He's like, you've already punted twice in this one draft, dude. <laughs> like. I'm scared for like the thirtieth hour when I'm like very sleep deprived and playing. He's like, dude, that was six punts in one <laughs> one sequence. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just excited to be drunk on eggnog and demanding that you first pick Thousand Year Storm. That's that's where I'm gonna be at like the day after Christmas. I so. I'm not I can't have that. You can't so say you can't Oh wait, this is this is the chant birthing pot is in the cube. Oh god. <laughs> so say so you can't be in my chat. Peer pressure me into taking thousand year storm. That's net negative for everyone there. You can't do it because I will cave immediately. Yeah, but thousand year storm is great. It is. It's oh just you know <laughs> t- tough sometimes. The real thousand year storm is the Mirari conjecture. Mirari conjecture oh God, is sweet. I... That was a really cool ad, but nothing still nothing to me compares to killing people with ancestral recall. Like the only actual win con in your deck is thousand year storm plus ancestral recall. You cannot win any other way. Just don't, so good. Don't don't blow your recall early and then get it exiled or something. Well, yeah. Make sure not to cast your lightning bolt on your player on your opponent. Say, the trick in this is like you have to have ways to recycle it. So you like gotta have like time spiral and twister to like put it back in your library and like regrowth or like yog will or something so you can cast mm-hmm. it the second time because the first time you need the cards and the second time is you know on storm count ten you draw your library. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be so. Exciting. And and usually. Unlike, you know, if Lightning Bolt is the only win condition in your deck and you might have to cast that early and then it gets exiled from your graveyard. Like, usually if you cast the recall early, then you can find a way to, like, get there with Storm it off. I was going like, to say, yeah. The, you'll, you'll be fine. The recall is a perfect setup card. That's why it's so good. Like, th- this deck yeah. was actually just really good. It just is such a novel way to win. It's just so much fun. Well, cool. Zach, thank you so much for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Everybody definitely check out that stream. It's going to be super fun. Um, if you, let's see, what, how, do, how do we close this out, you know, with three people and stuff? Thanks everybody so much for listening. If you want to find us on social media, I am tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Uh, Zach and Lee are both also on Twitter. I am at, at Lee McLeo. Zach? I'm at A22EN. Very simple. Five letters in numbers, I guess. Five characters. Uh, if you want to lend us some support for the podcast, uh, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. Come hang out in our Discord. Come chat with us. Uh, submit your Patreon questions. Become part of the family. Y- y'all are already part of the family, but you know, become part of the inner circle or whatever creepy thing I can come Is up with. Is that how your family works? Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, if you pay money, then you become, you level up within the family. That's how it works. Alright, Chris, I have to ask. 
since this is now my second time coming on the Grindcast, mm-hmm. does that entitle me to one of those sweet Grindcast hats? I can probably I can work out a hat for you. That's yes. that's that can that is very doable. Yes. I've worn one of those hats I mean, I, for like a year. <laughs> I, I was gonna send you fifty bucks for guesting on the show, but you know I can send you a hat instead. Oh no, no the hat's way better. I want a pin too. Let me get a pin too. Now now that I know that I, there's actual stakes here, I want the pin. <laughs> I'll I'll put together uh, I'll put it together for you. You're good. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, but that's it for us. Thanks everybody so much for listening. We really really appreciate your time. Uh, take it easy and have a great week. Bye. See you guys.